Welcome in another week of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tim Leonard, Tyler Rocky, as always, today's Monday episode brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car or truck will ever need at rockauto.com. Got a fun chat coming up today with James Zuba from over at Noon's Magician, one of our favorite guys to talk to about all things Syracuse basketball. And we recap what was a disappointing way for Bayheim's Army to go out on Saturday. Kind of a shocking way for them to go out. We get into just our initial takeaways from that, what it means for maybe future renditions of this team and how they can make some changes to potentially fare a little bit better next time around and kind of some of the strong performers from the team this year and guys that may be underwhelmed a little bit. There's a lot of college football news to get to this week, of course, and unfortunately it does look like the season is getting bleaker and bleaker just as the days pass, but Tyler and I will get to that tomorrow. We wanted to take some time and sort of recap Bayheim's Army today, but all our college football thoughts on the new ACC reports on a conference-only schedule, what the Big Ten's doing, what that means for Syracuse, and just overall what it means for college athletics, what's happening this week, and some of the reports on college football. We will talk about that tomorrow but we have James Zuba today a really fun conversation on Bayheim's Army unfortunately it was a tough loss but always fun to catch up with James and I think you guys will enjoy this so without further ado let's bring in James Zuba all right always fun to have James Zuba on the line you know him from Noon's Magician and he's here to try and help us make sense of what happened on Saturday between <laughs> Bayheim's Army and Sideline Cancer I was really looking forward to watching it. I was just surprised, not so much that they lost, but in the manner in which they lost. James, how shocked were you kind of seeing that game unfold? Uh, Tim, Tyler, always a pleasure to be on. Uh, Before I answer that question, were you guys surprised at all to not hear Seth Greenberg say Brandon Trish was the winningest player of all time. No, but okay. G-Mac did. <laughs> yeah. G-Mac did the work for him. <laughs> yeah, and he called him out for it too. He says, I, I think uh, you've been saying this, Seth, but yeah, Brandon Trish is the winningest player in Syracuse history, and I think he's done the most to improve his game, and then he misses a transition layup. So Perfect such, is like, such is the, the broadcaster jinx right there. Excellent timing. G-Mac doing uh, Greenberg's work for him, so we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, to, to answer the question, uh, yeah, you know what? I, I was a little bit surprised. Uh, I certainly didn't think they were going to go out there and shoot four twenty-seven from three and, um, you know, just chuck up a bunch of bricks in the second half. So uh, a little disheartening to see that. Obviously, you want to see a competitive game. But, uh, yeah, I was, I was a little surprised to see that. I thought it would be a little bit more competitive, and that was a game that I did think that they were going to win. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I don't know about you, but I think Tim and I, our text chain going back and forth was, this is one of the worst basketball games we've ever watched. It, it wasn't pretty, and it was slow, and it had a lot of uh, the same feelings of a regular Syracuse basketball game. But I don't know. It was that first quarter, it, they, they're they behind, what was it, like 9-2 to start, and then it ends yeah. up being tied 10-10 at the, the end of the first and 24-24 at the end of the second. And then the second half, the wheels just fall off. And I don't know. I felt like with this Bayheim's Army team, you thought the talent was going to eventually rise to the occasion. Because that's the one thing we've been told time and time again with this team. Even though they lost Chris McCullough and Tyler Lydon, you felt like the talent was just eventually going to take over. I don't think there's any doubting that's 
Bayheim's army had more talent than sideline cancer. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I thought, you know, a guy that could have got going was Malachi Richardson. Uh, he looked a little bit rusty. I don't know if it's just a matter yeah. of his injury and not playing competitive ball for so long, but uh, yeah, you know, they, they definitely on paper had a better team. You know, Marcus Keene's obviously a talented guy and uh, Mo Creek is, we saw today, big time shot maker and, and the like right on down with the Jamel artist from Pitt. They had some solid guys, but I think, uh, you know, when you put a roster out there with, with Eric Evendorf and guys like Malachi and even someone like Will Raymond, there's just more talent there on paper than, than what Silent Cancer had. Yeah, it's it's kind of surprising to me that every year – I mean, Devo is the guy in every single time in this, and it's kind of getting ridiculous that he's still the guy when there's so many other options because you bring in Malachi this year. And, look, I – I struggle a little bit with like getting actually upset over these games because at the end of the day, this is just a really cool thing that all these former players that we love watching come together. And especially in the time that we're in, I mean, we were begging for live sports. So you really can't be too upset because we got to see two games and TBT did a great job to put this tournament on. So there's all these positives. So I'm not like actually upset but at the same time, it was just an uninspiring performance from literally everyone else but Devo. And you wonder, like, why is this happening? Why, why do they keep kind of underperforming relative to maybe their seeding or the expectations? Devo is, quote unquote, the ageless wonder out there at the age of 33. Uh, everybody acts like he's really old, but he's still obviously a little bit young and got some left in the tank. But yeah, he's he's just a competitor. I mean, he's... He's a guy that, you know, you could throw him out there. He could roll out of bed and score you 12 points. I mean, he's just, you know, in between the lines, he's going to compete and he's going to get after it. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I think this really highlights for me the importance of, like, getting the team together and, and actually having a practice because, you know, obviously in a year like this where, where we have a, a virus spread and, um, you know, we're trying to take measures to social distance and the like, it's obviously a lot harder to get everybody in one location before and get practices and get reps in. Um, I know a few of the guys were able to get up in Syracuse and get in the gym a little bit before, but obviously not the same as having the whole team together and, and going through reps. Um, I think that's that's been the challenge every year for these guys is, you know, just trying to get everybody on the same page because as we saw in the second half, it just looked like a lot of one-on-one, -on -one, a lot of guys that didn't really have enough faith and trust in one another to pass the ball around and run an offense. Uh, just seemed like five guys out there trying to play one-on-one, -on -one, trying to make a play. I think the crazy thing about this entire this run that they had is the fact that I don't know if you guys heard, but I think it was during the first half. There's a sideline hit, and Jen Hale was talking about how Kevin Belby told her that Devo called him and said, "Yeah, like Malachi's got to be a starter. So if I have to come off the bench, I'll come off the bench." Can you imagine this team if Devo had to come off the bench? <laughs> like, what, what would that have been? Maybe that would have worked. I don't, I don't know. It's uh, It would have been interesting. Well, second win for these guys. The bench was better in the second game than the starting lineup. Yeah. I mean, I thought the guy who was the most underrated on this team, and I think this, is tr this has been true now for back-to-back -back years, or maybe this is three years now for him. But John Gillen – I guess it is three years for him, actually. But John Gillen is every year one of the most underrated players on this team because he's fearless – and he's got that connection with a lot of these guys, even though he only played there for one season. But, I mean, there was that one play, This I think it was early in the second half, where he caught uh, uh, Andrew White 
on a back door and it just looked like it is he'd been there before he knows where everyone is on the floor it feels like he has a chemistry with these guys that some of the other ones don't yeah he could stir the drink a little bit he he you know him and andrew obviously have that connection from from their one year at syracuse and uh yeah on that play that i remember the defender just kind of turned his head and white cut back door and you know gillen found him beautifully but you know, he, he led the team in assists the last game. You know, he only had four. Obviously, guys aren't making enough shots to generate generate assists. But, you know, he's he's something that, you know, he gives you a little bit something different from the guard spot. Uh, he's someone that can penetrate, get in the lane. Um, he can finish. And he's he's looking for guys when he when he takes guys off the bounce a little bit more than maybe, say, a Devendorf would. Obviously, Devendorf, the scorer that he is, you want him to score the ball. But when you have someone like John who runs the point, he can get by guys with his quick first step. We know how fast he is, and he's looking to facilitate the ball as opposed to guys that are going in there to score. Real quick break from talking with James Zuba to tell you guys about my favorite place to maintain and repair my car, and just objectively, the best place right now to do it on the market. That's at rockauto.com. You go online. It's a lot easier than going to the auto store where they look at the same exact interface as you can just pull up right now on your laptop. And instead of going to the auto store, and them telling you, okay, we got it in stock here. Actually, no, we don't. Let me order it for you, and it'll come to your house. Just avoid that step. Avoid all that jargon and go right online. Use rockauto.com right now, a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They got everything you could ever want. Engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, new carpet, if it's for your classic driver, daily driver, you can get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And once you go to rockauto.com, be sure to type locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Again, put locked on the podcast network here in their how did you hear about us box at rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. I think the thing there is he gets in the lane. That was the really frustrating thing for me watching that game and watching this team in the past is Devo and Gillen are the only guys that are driving, and Brandon Trish a little bit. And Trish was, I think, 0 for 4 in this loss and just never really got going, unfortunately, even though he is the winningest player in Syracuse basketball history. (laughs) But he – you know, those guards are about it. I just like to see more from Nichols, White, and – I guess you can't really knock Will Raymond. He was a pretty good addition. But the more you go down the list of those kind of forward guys, I feel like there's some untapped potential there from a guy like Malachi where they're just not driving as much. They're not getting in the lane. And there's so many settling for contested jumpers. And you can hear Ryan Blackwell saying that when he was mic'd up too. Yeah, love love the pickup on the mic uh, a couple times. You know, yeah. like on a Malachi drive, he's saying, get lower when you drive, get low. You know, he's offering just little bits of advice to these guys. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it was really anything from the, the coaching side. It's just, uh, you know, these the lack of practice for these guys, I think was the biggest thing, but yeah, certainly you'd like to see Malachi get involved a little bit more and make some shots. Uh, I, I don't know that this team can go out there and have zero points from Brandon Trish. Uh, he's a guy that's certainly capable, you know, he, he can rebound obviously well from the guard spot and we know we can distribute too, but you definitely need a guy like Brandon Trish to go out there and, and score and do a little bit more creating than what he did. Um, yeah. I, th- I think that's the biggest thing with him sometimes is that he's so he's, he has the potential to be very good 
and it's almost as if he doesn't know how good he can be or uh, he's not as aggressive as he could be in certain spots. He tries but, to be too unselfish, it feels like, right? I mean, that's what it is. I mean, he's one of those guys that, that he could get 10 points a game in this if he really wanted to. And I just think he chooses not to because he wants to try to do some of the other things. But, I mean, this team, especially in the, the loss, they just lack the killer. And Devo had been that killer for them in the first game against Men of Mackey. And then he's done it, of course, plenty of other times when they've played in, in previous seasons. But no one wanted to be that killer. And I thought there was one point, I think it was the second half, where Malachi hits a three. And I'm like, okay, is this going to be Shades of Virginia here where he's going to get hot and then start to get things going? And no, it just – then the next time down, I think he, he turned the ball over and then there was a charge and it was just he, – he wasn't the killer that we, we thought he was going to be in this tournament. You, you felt that though, right? Like throughout the third quarter, it felt like they had a run in them. And you're sitting right, and you're yeah. waiting. They kept it at waiting. like four or five points. And the, yeah, the, the run just never came. It just seemed like they're going to make a run, they're going to make a run, and then eventually it's just missed shot after missed shot. And, you know, you, you just get buried and guys are trying to bail you out with a 20-point shot, you know, trying to get it all back on one possession, on one-on-one. Um, the, obviously, that wasn't the way to do it. But, you know, I mean, credit to sideline cancer. I mean, I think – they, they played a solid game and they had enough guys making shots down the stretch to where, uh, you know, they obviously had too much separation when the Elam ending came into effect. And obviously they won today. They're in the championship game. So yeah, uh, something's working for them. They pulled the upset over sideline or uh, over, overseas elite earlier. So if you beat ISO Joe and TBT, you're, you're doing pretty well for yourself. <laughs> that was a wild ending to that game too. I don't know. I, I think we should mention that Leiden and McCullough, didn't play and that obviously changes everything for this Bayheims army team I think you know when you looked at the roster that Kevin Belby constructed this year that's what really excited me is that he sort of addressed the center position and got some shooting some versatility out of the center position and then we just didn't really get the opportunity to see that unfortunately how much do you think James that would have changed maybe not the outcome of them winning it but just like how far they would have gone if they had Leiden and McCullough yeah, well, well, first of all, you add some younger bodies and, and some younger legs in there. So um, I think Leiden would have given the team a little bit something different of a look at the center. Uh, you know, he probably could have started and, and stretched it with the shooting ability. Um, I think he definitely could have helped in the shooting department. Uh, obviously, that was that was a struggle all, all uh, tournament for Beheim's Army. So he's, he's really somebody make, that could have helped a lot on both ends of the shooters. I don't know. It, like they were going yeah. five out and they, all those guys I know can shoot. It just wasn't working. And Malachi, I think is one of the big head scratchers, but even Andrew White and Nichols, Dante Green hit some shots, but it just like on paper, this should have been a good shooting team. That's what really is head scratching about it. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, I, I don't know, again, to your point, you know, I don't know if it, it changes the outcome. Certainly you, you had two younger players and two, uh, you know, pretty good ones at that. You, you'd like to think that it would help. I thought one area that, that didn't get talked about enough, and it's something that admittedly I missed in the flow of the game, is just the rebounding. Um, you know, I, I do wonder a little bit, is it is it too hard to play a 2-3 zone in a pro tournament setting like this? Because we, we saw in the first game as well, rebounding out of the zone was an issue. And, and obviously we saw that with, with sideline cancer as well. Um, you know, the final rebound was 53-36, to 36, so – that's that's a tough margin to overcome there when when you can't get rebounds. 
you know, you can't get stops and then you're working harder on the offense. The, the offensive, yeah, excuse me. Yeah, I mean, it was just a blending of things too. And really, it's funny that they were coached by a high school coach because they were making errors that would drive a high school coach insane. I mean, whether it's not getting back on defense, not yes. boxing out, not finding a guy to, to just put a body on at times. I, if I'm Ryan Blackwell, and you're coaching a bunch of guys that are playing, for the most part, are all playing professionally with a, an exception of one or two guys. But how does that not drive him up a wall? I mean, that, that must have made him crazy on the sidelines because I'm sure his Liverpool guys would have done a better job, at least in, obviously they wouldn't have, have had the, the same output against a team like Sideline Cancer. But I think they would have done some of the fundamentals a little bit better, whether, whether it's finding a guy to box out, running back on defense, picking up your man. Just it's little things there that you, you feel like you don't have to teach these guys. Yeah, it, it seems like they gave up on a few plays, you know, maybe after a mistake on the offensive end. Uh, there was certainly a lackluster effort in getting back. And, and we saw that in the, 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 you know, the fast break points. That was 15-2 to two as well. So that's, that's 13 points that you lost just in the fast breaks. Uh, obviously, you got to work a little bit harder, and then you don't get the opportunity to run on the other end. So, uh, yeah, you would think these guys would show a little bit more, more effort. I mean, you know, like I said, I think it's tough when you don't have the ability to practice and really get the, the cohesion down and, um, you know, obviously don't have the benefit of a full season in the TBT. But, uh, yeah, you, you think these guys will put a little bit more effort into getting back and doing the fundamental things that you need to do to win a basketball game. You bring up the zone there, and I do agree with you. Sometimes it just doesn't look in sync, and I don't know. I wonder, like, what should they change now? Because I think anyone would tell you that this is—I think it was year six for Bayheim's army—and yeah. when you go to year seven now, like, I think we're all expecting a little bit more, just given that the talent level is there, right. and you know, our fans really care about this this thing. So how do you sort of see a little bit more success? Because I struggle with it because it's the balancing of, we did just watch them play two games and it's basketball. Like they just weren't making shots, which I know is kind of a joke, but it's true. I mean, they, it's, it's easy to overreact to just that one game, but at the same time, now this is six years where I don't feel like they've really hit their potential in any of those years, unfortunately. So how can they, what, what are some changes you think they should make, maybe? Sure. That, that's totally fair. Um, I, I think it's tough to come in with expectations of, okay, Bayheim's Army should win TBT, just because it is such a competitive tournament and you do have a lot of, you know, pro talent, even, even if you didn't have guys that maybe necessarily you're as familiar with because maybe they played at a mid-major or didn't get the same level of media attention that maybe a Syracuse would. But, but to your point, I think it is fair that, uh, it does leave a little bit to be desired. You would like to see them go a little bit further in the tournament. Um, you know, they, they did make the final four one year. I think it was back in 2017. Uh, but certainly you'd like to see them make a little bit more of a run in this tournament. So, yeah, I think it starts with just getting some younger bodies. Um, it would have been great. You, and you, you don't know what these guys are up to in the summer, but it would have been great to see someone like a Tyus Battle come out, you know, a guy that could come out and get you a bucket in crunch time or, uh, maybe he could have took over for a little bit of, stre of a stretch that we saw, you know, like he did at Syracuse. But I think that's the biggest thing is, is maybe, you know, add some younger guys. Um, obviously, again, hurts to not have McCullough, hurts to not have Leiden. Unfortunate there. But 
you know, get, get some guys that, you know, maybe have a little bit more to play for, uh, still have a little bit more left in the tank. And then, you know, I think they could probably mix in a little bit more man as well. I do think the zone is difficult when you have pros and guys who know how to dissect that, you know, they move the ball quick and get open shots. I will say this. I don't think there's anything Kevin Belby could have done this year. No. In terms of, I, I, I think he constructed that roster about as well as he could have. And to me, that kind of scares me moving forward for this team because, I mean, um, Elijah Hughes probably going to be with some sort of NBA team. So you can rule him out for the next couple years at least. So who else are you going to add? I mean, that's that's kind of the, the intimidating question. I mean, maybe you throw a guy like Marek out there. I think he could maybe do all right in a tournament like this, but I really think Kevin has done about as good of a job as you can of constructing this. I think you're, you have a fair point there. Maybe it would have been nice to have a Tyus battle, but I I believe Tyus and Sean Belby, Kevin's brother, who is also an assistant on this team. I believe they were roommates at one point in college too, if I remember correctly. So I'd have to imagine some sort of flyer went out to Tyus. And if that is, that's the only other guy I could really say, yup, let's bring him on to the roster. But outside of that, I think that's kind of what's scary because yes, Devo steps up to the challenge every single year, but he's also 33 years old. I'm not going to say that he's reached his TBT peak because a, we don't know what, what a TBT peak, like what the the apex of a TBT (laughs) career could look like. But I also, it's totally fair to say, I don't know if he can continue to be the guy year after year after year. I think peak Devo is a guy who can be the best player on a TBT championship roster, but I just don't know how much longer he can continue to sustain this level of play because again, he's, it's not like he's playing professionally. He he's a coach now. And that, that's fine. Like that, that's the career aspiration he wants to take. And he's got a family and everything that he's looking after too. And I know that's so important to him, but I just, I don't think there's much more that Kevin Belby can do or could have done. And that's kind of a scary thing when you look forward for this team. Yeah, no question. It's, it's tough when you design a roster around shooting. Uh, you know, as Belby said in the past, they've been the tallest team in this tournament before. Uh, that hasn't worked to the level that they thought it would. So this year they designed a roster completely around shooting, and then you go out and you shoot 15% from three. That's a really tough pill to swallow. And and to your point, I I agree. I don't know who else you could have added, you know, maybe outside of a Tyus. And, yes, to your point, I'm sure they reached out to Tyus. I'm sure they asked him if he wanted to play. Um, so for whatever reason he didn't want to play this summer, it's probably unlikely that he, you know, it's, it's unlikely that he's going to want to play again next summer. So um, in terms of roster construction, yeah, I don't know who else you could add. Really. Well, you figure he's probably in the summer league next summer too. Yeah. So that, that's another thing you got to deal with. You figure O'Shea's probably in the summer league again next year. Sure. So, I mean, it's going to be pretty slim in terms of who you're grabbing. I mean, Frank Howard, are you going to bring him in? Like that doesn't inspire something that that's going to change the trajectory of the the exits that they've been making these past couple of years. Oh man, I'm ready I think for that. That'd be a case. <laughs> we're, we're still. Am I about to eat my words? <laughs> I love. I would love for Frank Howard to to make me eat my words, but I don't think he's a guy who's going to take this team to the next level. Uh, we're still throwing the bait out there for me. I, I think Frank stepped away from basketball at least for the time being. Did he really? But... But personally, I would I would love nothing more oh, than great. to see Frank Howard out there. But I don't know if Syracuse fans would uh, reciprocate that same level of enthusiasm. 
The, the Frank Howard fan base is the most fascinating thing of the last five years for Syracuse fans, isn't it? Like the, the most polarizing forget the final player. Four, forget the Sweet Sixteen. It's the legacy of Frank Howard. You will not find a more divided fan base over the pro and con Frank Howard camps. The most yeah. polarizing player at Syracuse since Scoop Jardine. No question. <laughs> The good news is we've got, what, three years until our savior, Robert Braswell, is yes. out there making shots. And, I mean, that's how this ends. That's how TB, or Bayheim's Army gets their first TBT. It's Robert Braswell just drilling long-range twos and, and taking them to, <laughs> to the trophy. I, I can't see any other way. That's, that's how this ends, I think. You need big, bad Bobby Braz out there, a.k.a. the Earl. Need him out there shooting threes and running the floor. Uh, definitely have him out there for some cherry pick dunks to get out in transition. And uh, that thing's a wrap. They're going all the way to the title game with big bad. Bobby <laughs> all right. Well, James, we appreciate you hopping on. We wish that Bayheim's army was still rolling along in this tournament, but we really appreciate you taking the time as always. Hope you're staying safe out there and hope we can talk soon about maybe some actual Syracuse basketball news and some games are on the horizon for us. Maybe. It sounds good, guys. Uh, always my pleasure, and I mean it anytime. Always happy to come on, so thank you very much. Okay, so that wraps things up with James Zuba. Really fun having him on. We appreciate it, as always. Great guy that just always makes you laugh, has some fun takes on Syracuse basketball, and if you don't follow him on Twitter, be sure to do that. Twitter handle's easy. It's at James Zuba, just how it's spelled. His last name, S-Z-U-B-A. And you can also check out his work over at Noon's Magician. Really fun having him on. Tomorrow on the show, Tyler and I are back, and we're going to talk some college football because it does not look great right now in terms of the season. Maybe it's being pushed back. Maybe it's not going to happen at all. We'll give you our thoughts on that and what it all means for Syracuse now that it's looking like if there is a season, they're only going to be playing conference games how that could change things, who could be their potential opponents, maybe some newer opponents this season. There's a lot to discuss, and we haven't really gotten to it yet, so we'll dive into all things college football related tomorrow and get you caught up on that. You can follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Check out all the other Lockdown podcasts while you have some time, maybe. The Lockdown ACC one will be a good one right now to kind of break down what the conference will be like if the football season is just conference only. That'd be a good one to check out right now. But that'll do it for today's episode. For Tyler, I'm Tim, and we'll talk to you guys tomorrow.